Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may be hearing this. <clears throat> this is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in episode 235 of today's edition of our Bible Bites, reading through the scriptures this year. My reading <clears throat> today is found in Jeremiah chapter 38 through 41. And hopefully my voice is going to cooperate with me. <coughs> Excuse me. In chapter 38, it starts off and it's talking about several, a group of people that were not happy with Jeremiah. They didn't like him and so they falsely accuse him. And they go to the king. <coughs> They're princes of the people. They go to the king and they tell the king, this man does not seek the welfare of this people but their harm because he keeps telling them that they're going into captivity and the king of Babylon is going to take them. So they misunderstood him <coughs> and thought that, uh, and they falsely accused him and thought, you know, that he was bringing this doom down because he wanted it to come out that way or something. And that was not the truth. <coughs> so they end up, the king gives them permission. They grab Jeremiah and they throw him into this deep dungeon, probably, possibly at least, um, an old cistern, an old well that maybe was not giving water anymore uh, because they throw him down in there. <clears throat> it's obviously quite deep. And he sinks down in the mire. So, you know, it may be that there was enough water left in there that it, you know, had the mud mixed with it and it just became miry, sedimentary gunk. So they leave him basically for dead. You know, they throw him down in there. <clears throat> hey, how's he going to eat? How's he going to live? You know, they, they basically left him for dead. But God had other plans. Because God wasn't through with Jeremiah yet. <coughs> Excuse me. So I want you to see what God does. He uses this man named Ebed-Melech, who was an Ethiopian eunuch. <coughs> and this man goes and says, hey, king, you know, we need to help Jeremiah out. <laughs> this has been an evil done to him. Let's go get him. Let's pull him up. And, you know, put him in prison here in the court of your house or something. But let's go get him out of the prison, that the deep di dungeon they've put him in. He's going to die in there. <clears throat> so, the king agrees because God had not forsaken Jeremiah. God was sending a rescue for him. Now, I want you to notice this about this person. <clears throat> He's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he comes back up again in Jeremiah chapter 39. God's not forgetting about this eunuch either. <clears throat> and I want you to, I want to just draw your attention to this, that in the book of Acts in chapter 8, we read about one of the apostles, Philip, who is sent to a Ethiopian eunuch to minister to him. He was sitting in his chariot he had come up to worship the Lord at the feast, and he was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He was actually reading Isaiah 53, and he didn't understand what he was reading. And so God directs Philip to go to him to help him understand <clears throat> right where he was from there, all about the truth of Jesus, the Messiah, 
And that that was speaking of the Messiah. He brings him to faith. He baptizes him. And then Philip is gone. But I just find that to be a neat connection, considering that it was an Ethiopian eunuch that many, many years before Acts chapter 8 happens, had delivered and had helped to rescue Jeremiah the prophet. And God did not forget that. Now, I don't know if this was you know, anybody related to him or not, but I just find there to be a connection there. I don't believe anything in the scripture is by accident. So I believe there has to be some connection there. And I find that very, very interesting. So this eunuch is used by God to help Jeremiah get out of this dungeon. Now he's still in prison, but he's in prison in the court of the king's prison, not the mire, not this miry pit. All right. So Then we find Zedekiah goes, uh, swears secretly to Jeremiah, and um, he's asking him to come and talk to him secretly and to give him the word of the Lord. So Jeremiah goes to him in secret, and he says, if you surrender to the king, then your soul will live. The city... You'll spare the city from being burned, and you and your house will live. But if you do not surrender to him, then the city will be given into their hands. They'll burn it, and you will not escape. So Zedekiah says, I'm afraid of the Jews that they're going to deliver me into his hands, Nebuchadnezzar's hands, and they're going to abuse me and all of those things. I I want to read to you verse 20. Because I hear not just Jeremiah pleading here, but God pleading here. And it reminds me in the New Testament where Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we also are ambassadors of Christ pleading on his behalf. And I see that here with Jeremiah's words in verse 20. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you, so it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. In other words, after everything that Zedekiah has done against Jeremiah and having him imprisoned and all of that, and he's refused his words, he's refused his words, and yet Jeremiah again pleads with him. And God speaking through Jeremiah, you hear God's heart in this. He's like, please, the judgment is close. It's close at hand, but I'm still pleading with you to turn and come back to me. Hear the heart of God there. I love that because I believe that was Jeremiah sharing God's heart and pleading just like Paul wrote about in the New Testament, that we would also be God's ambassadors pleading on God's behalf for them to be reconciled to the Lord. Here is an Old Testament example of that here. Well, we know the story. The king didn't listen. Um, He he didn't do what they said, but he did keep his promise to Zedekiah. And uh, so he remained in the court of the prison of the king until until Jerusalem fell In 586 B.C. In chapter 39. 
It tells us more about the time when Nebuchadnezzar actually came and took the city. So we know that this is 586 BC because this is the time when he burned the city and all of that. Verses uh, 1 through 9 will tell us all about that. The Nebuchadnezzar come and taking them captive, burning Jerusalem. He tells of how Zedekiah tried to get away. He's still trying to resist God's word, and he makes a futile attempt to escape. But <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, the, his army, they brought him, they ca captured him, brought him to King Nebuchadnezzar, and this was how Nebuchadnezzar responded. He ended up killing his sons and others before his eyes, and then he plucked out his eyes and took him blind to Babylon. And Zedekiah ended up dying there in Babylon. But imagine the last thing that you saw was your sons killed. Uh, that just, that's awful. It's awful. And the thing is that Zedekiah had been warned and warned and warned and warned by God. He did not have to endure that. He could have turned so many times, but he rejected the word of the Lord. Beloved, there are warnings going out today because we are living in a day today when judgment, sure judgment is coming. God has already predicted and prophesied to us what is going to happen in short order. We tend to call it the tribulation period, but there's, there's persecutions, there's other things coming. There is a period of tribulation that's spoken of in Revelation. And so God is using his servants today to send out warning after warning after warning. Repent, repent, turn away from your evil doings. Come back to God, come to me, and I will give you life, eternal life. Come to me and be saved. He's sending out warning after warning after warning. And for those who will receive that warning, they will be blessed and have what he promises. But for those who will reject it, they will suffer fate similar to some of these fates that we're seeing people in the Old Testament <clears throat> suffer when they rejected God. It's a serious thing to take God's warnings seriously and to recognize that he's not wasting his breath. He's really trying to get us to turn back to him. I want you to notice in verse 11 through 14, however, that, uh, well, in verse 10, first of all, let's realize Jeremiah was a one among those who were left in the land by the king. He left a bunch of the poor and you know, those kinds of things. He didn't really see them as being beneficial to him. So he leaves them in the land and he says here, you know, enjoy your vineyards and enjoy your land. <clears throat> well, Jeremiah was one of those. But notice in verse 11 through 14, the favor that God afforded to Jeremiah through King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah is removed from prison and he's taken to stay with Jedaliah or Gedaliah, um, who was one of his um, appointed leaders in the land, the governor perhaps, or something of that nature. And so Jeremiah is afforded favor from God through the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. And then in verse 15 through 18 of this chapter, this is where God remembers that Ethiopian eunuch and what he had did he had done for Jeremiah in saving his life and God blesses him and he says to him 
uh, this precious word that is found in verse 15 through 18 of chapter 39. And he says this, Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. So God remembered him and gave a precious word and a precious promise that he was going to be spared his life, and he will, his life will not be taken through the captivity or through the um, famine and, and those kinds of things. God was sparing this man because he had put his trust in God and he had been used as a tool of God to save Jeremiah's life. God will not forget those kinds of kindnesses, but he will reward them because he's a good God. Then in chapter 40, again, in verse 1 through 4, we see the favor of the Lord again extended to Jeremiah in these early verses of chapter 40. I want to read to you chapter 40, verses 4 through 6, actually, to see just how good God was to him. And now, in verse 4, And now look, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go, go there. Now, while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzaradan said, Go back to Jedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. Then Jeremiah went to Jedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mizpah and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. So God ended up in the end favoring Jeremiah to the point that he gave him freedom and he gave him choice. And Jeremiah was allowed to choose where he would like to live. So then we come on down verse, um, verse 13 through 16. I do want you to see this, that Jedaliah receives a warning of a death threat. But he doesn't believe it. He, he thinks that they're lying to him. However, in chapter 41, we see where it did actually come to pass in verses 1 through 15. We see where, Jer um, where Jedaliah is actually killed. Uh, and this death threat was a real threat. And they did carry it out. Then we come on down and we find out um, in verse 1 through 15, the Ammonites who carried out that death threat, they begin to take some of the, the Jews captive. But there are others among the Jews that go back and rescue these captives and bring them back. And then several of them end up heading at, down to Egypt. Now, Jeremiah and others have already warned them, don't flee to Egypt. 
if you, you know, stay in the land and submit to the to King Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans or go away to captivity, you'll be blessed. Don't try to go back to Egypt, but there's a group of them that you will see that are trying to go back to Egypt. And so they end up staying, it says in verse 17, near Bethlehem in this place that is called here the habitation of Kimham. And this is a descendant, Kimham was a descendant of Barzillai. And so this may have been some sort of inn or lodging place. I know the New Testament, it's not really an inn, but it does talk about an inn in Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the inn. It really is more talking about a guest chamber there. Um, but it's possible that there was a Bethlehem lodging place of some kind. And that that was perhaps um, from Kimham. It was his habitation place that had been given to him or purchased by him. We have to remember who he was. Barzillai, his father, was the one who had helped David um, when David was having to flee from Absalom. Absalom. And David took in Kimham. David invited Barzillai to come and live with him and to be a part of his household. But Barzilla said, no, I can't do it, but take my son. And so David took Kimham in, and he was kind to him and blessed him. And if I'm not mistaken, he also may have given him some land near Bethlehem, so or some territory near Bethlehem. And that's probably what this is referring to, and they end up staying there. You can read more about that backstory of Kimham and Barzillai in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 37 through 38. So we end up finding that these rescued captives, though, decide they plan on going to Egypt, and they end up taking Jeremiah with them, and we'll read some more about um, the rest of Jeremiah's book here in tomorrow in future lessons and, and studies as we go through our Bible Bites and complete it. I trust that this has been a blessing to you today and that you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name.